For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome back to another episode of Tailgate Till May. I'm your host, Stephen Gorgie, and I'm joined for another episode by Brian Kaufman. Today, we're diving into week three of the college football season and all the aftermath. But first, a reminder, you can subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast, Apple, Spotify, Google, and more. And if you like the show, we'd love if you leave us a five-star review. So let's get into all the college football action. Brian, how was your week three? Oh, it was great. I, I would say I'm doing great. A heck of a lot better than Eric Chenander. Uh, our viewers may say, "Who? who's that? Uh, Nebraska's defensive coordinator who came in with Scott Frost. Frost is fired. Eric still overseeing the defense. And in his first game, Oklahoma goes for 49 points, 580 yards, and he is fired by the interim coach, Mickey Joseph. So I had a wonderful weekend, a lot better than uh, Coach Chenander. Hopefully he bounces back. But man, it was a it was an interesting weekend of games, I think, to say the least. Oh, that's a tough Saturday for the guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, man. You know, they got a three and out. Then They got a three and out <laughs> on the first possession, first uh, Oklahoma drive of the game. Things like seem like things might be going a little better for him in the defense, but it was not to be. And it uh, ended as about as bad as it can for any any football coach out there. So yeah, uh, a tough day for him, but a better day for us. We had a good day of viewing. And let's start with that game, Brian, because to me, I think that was the game that, see, that I, I feel like had maybe the biggest impact on how I think about the the top of the sport right now. And that was Oklahoma dominating Nebraska 49 to 14 in Lincoln. And my takeaway from that game is that Oklahoma is really good and a team that we have to take seriously. And what I took away from it mostly was that their defense is really good. I had actually been impressed throughout the season with Nebraska's offense. I thought they've, they've done a pretty good job. They hadn't been to blame for a lot of their woes and they came out and they got a touchdown right away, but then Oklahoma put it to them the rest of that game, creating a ton of havoc. They had four sacks, nine tackles for loss. And this is a team that's created uh, havoc throughout the season, 20th in havoc rate on the year top 50 in success rate. They are now with the most recent release of Bill Connolly's SP plus this morning. They are one of just five teams in the country with an offense and a defense in the top 15. And I think for Oklahoma, that's always our question. And we thought that at some point, Brett Venables might be able to bring a better defense to Norman. And it seems like that may have come sooner rather than later. I'm, I'm high on the Sooners right now. Yeah, I believe uh, I was pulling up our groups text while you were talking. You're you're on the OU Express, is I believe how you worded it, and I love it. I love it. I think I'm with you, and I and I, you know, I spoke in the preview shows about Dylan Gabriel and and Jeff Lebby being back together, and and that potential, what it meant for their offense. But you're right; it was always going to be the defense that felt like it was that question mark. And and Brent Venables, obviously, a, a great defensive mind. I think 
I, I'm not here to rain on anybody's parade. And I do think I would call Oklahoma the Big 12's uh, best shot at the playoff. But we're talk- we are talking about UTEP, Kent State, and Nebraska. And I think that there is something to uh, – we, we talked in the week one, week two shows about trying not to overreact. And I'm not taking away how they've looked. I'm just saying let's get into conference play a bit before we're talking about this being, you know, a, a true, true playoff contender. But from you can only play who's on your schedule, of course. Um, and and they've they've beat the heck out of some teams for sure. It's going at least 30 in every game. They haven't allowed more than 14 points in a game. And so, yeah, I mean, they they sure look like the real deal. I don't care who you're playing. If you're going to score, if you're going to put up 600 yards of offense, almost um, you're going to be in some games. Um, and and yeah, they look good on the defensive side of the ball too. So I'm high on them too. I'm just sort of like, okay, I want to just see them get into the conference. And you know, looking at their schedule, like K State took a took a interesting loss this weekend. That's who they have next at TCU. Tough place to play, whatever. And and then you've got Texas. I mean, obviously, you always kind of have that game circled for OU. But like, I I want to give it that next few weeks to say, okay, if they if they put a hurting on some of these teams. I'm on board with them as one of the best teams in the country for sure. I think that's a really fair approach to take to it. And you're right. It's a, it's a little bit of a jumping the gun and not that, I mean, Nebraska's the only school in the country who's fired their coach three games into the season. <laughs> so yeah, I think it's definitely fair to say what it don't jump the gun too much. Don't get ahead of yourself, but I guess I've been somewhat un underwhelmed by the rest of the big 12 to start the year so far, Kansas state, you know, I was really big on Kansas state. Uh, that loss yesterday kind of threw me for a bit of a loop. I didn't love the way Texas tech looked at NC state. I thought they might have a chance to make that one a bit closer. I don't think, and then of course, Baylor losing to BYU. I think that thing, I think things would be a bit different if some of the results in the conference had been different so far. If Baylor had gone gone to Provo and won that game, you might be saying like, okay, Oklahoma looks good, but Baylor looks good too. And Texas, we talked at length about last week. I'm not ready, no matter how close they played Alabama, ready to really declare them ready to do anything yet. So I just have a hard time looking at the rest of that conference and looking at that schedule and finding a way where they are not at least in the Big 12 championship game. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I, I guess I'm just trying to look at the whole picture as best I can. And I would argue that Texas's win over UTSA is better than any of Oklahoma's wins. I'm not arguing that Texas is better than them. I'm just saying that Texas arguably to me has shown more against better opponents, has had the opportunity against better opponents and has played generally well. And I'm not saying I think Texas is whole season outlook is brighter than Oklahoma's. I just think I, I want to give it a bit. And, and, but I guess you're right. So I guess my follow up to you then would be like, are you, you think it's not an unrealistic thing to look at a, a, a 12 and 0 Oklahoma. I think it's possible. I think if you're trying to find teams who may get into the national title conversation, that playoff conversation, I think they have to be a team that you look at because I think there is something to, there's something to play to to beating bad teams, but there's so, something else to just dominating them. And I, I I admire the dominance in yesterday's win because this is an Oklahoma team that last year Nebraska came to Norman 
and they struggled with them. And we saw what that team became. It was not the Oklahoma team that we're used to seeing. I, I think there is something to going on the road. I don't care against who who it's against, but a, a power five team, a longstanding rival, a team that could have potentially gotten the play hard for the interim coach bump. And it, it just wasn't there. Oklahoma said, that's cute. Thanks for... Thanks for giving it a good effort early in this one. And now we are going to dominate this game. And I I think that matters. I think there's something to that. And, and I don't think, I guess I don't think that they're beyond criticism or they're beyond taking a few losses, but I find it hard to believe. Like when I look at the rest of the conference, I see a lot of teams that I feel like are fairly closely bunched where a second place team might have maybe even three conference losses where I feel like Oklahoma's not taking three. They might take two and then they're not a conf- they're not a national, they're not a CFP contender, but they're still a Big 12 title contender. So I, I just feel like at the moment it looks like when we looked at those preseason odds and Oklahoma was the favorite, but still at plus money, it's like, yeah, I kind of wish I went back and took that at plus one. 40, I think it was, or something around that. It's like they're probably going to get a chance to play in the Big 12 championship game. And I think that that undefeated Oklahoma can be on the table if they really have, if they have a top 15 offense and a top. Sure. (laughs) I mean, nothing, nothing stopping them. That's, that's going to be good for, for best in that conference. And, And I think there's reason to believe it's possible because you do have Brent Venables one of the best defensive coordinators in the country over the last 10 years. Now the head coach may bring in a different mindset. Uh, Jeff Levy still kind of maintaining that high powered offensive philosophy that they've always had. And it's like, I think that was one of my questions was bringing in Venables. It was like, how quickly can they improve the defense? And if they do improve the defense, is it going to come at the expense of the offense at all? And right now, the answers to those questions are are resounding quickly and not at all. So, yeah, yeah, I I don't see – let's put it this way. I I wouldn't bet on it at even money or anything that they're going to run the table, but I'm not going to be shocked if they do. All right. I like it. I like it. I know we have better, bigger games to talk about, but we can't leave the Big 12 discussion without a shout-out to Kansas with wins at West Virginia and at Houston already on the young season. Not that we're uh, certainly predicting them to be in the conference race or anything like that, but, I mean, they were winning, hoping to win three games in a season for the longest time. 3-0, and scoring almost 50 points in every game. Uh, that's That's been impressive, to be honest with you. It's It's kind of a fun a fun subplot in an otherwise kind of weird early season conference race in the big 12. Jalen Daniels, the top quarterback in QBR to date in the country, in the country. Wow. Wow. Pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he is impressive. I mean, Houston had nothing, nothing that they could do with him. I think he only threw for like 150 something yards, but he ran for a hundred plus two. I mean, they, they, they were moving the ball. So, Shout out no, to got it. Give, give credit chalk. to them. Rock give them, chalk. Yeah, rock chalk, rock chalk nation or whatever Ben says. That's <laughs> friend Ben confused. Actually, that rock chalk nation would be closer to right than what 
what he says Correct. when he's talking about <laughs> Iowa. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, got to give give Kansas credit. They they did look really good. I think that's a that's a really good call out. You know who's actually number two in the nation in QBR? It's another pack, uh, another Big Twelve quarterback. Is it Dylan Gabriel? No, Max Duggan. Max Duggan. So maybe a chance to see in a couple weeks when Oklahoma does play TCU, if he stresses that defense a little bit, if Kansas State's unique running attack stresses the defense a little bit. We've seen Kansas State have really good success against Oklahoma in the past, and you know I've been high on Kansas State. So I think we'll learn a lot more. I think you're absolutely right in that we're going to learn a lot more about Oklahoma soon. And I think that's what we, that's what the beauty of the season is, is, is teams change, they evolve and they, and they prove it or they prove that they don't have it. Loki, super exciting, uh, TCU at SMU, the, the Dykes bowl. Uh, it's going to be, it's going to be fun this weekend. Yeah. Do you think, uh, maybe SMU gives him a little bit of the Chris Beard treatment going back there? Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't be too surprised about that. I mean, it they, it was the sort of thing in both those instances where they got it rolling. Like, you don't necessarily have to leave to reach the goals that you're... I mean, obviously, for Chris Beard, he had Texas Tech on the brink of it. Um, but, like, especially with the expanding playoff, like, you know, the G5s are going to start making the playoff. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he, got, if he got a little bit of a... Harsh welcome back. Yeah, the rivals, the schools are close distance wise. I, I think that's probably a tough one to tough one to swallow if you're if you're SMU. Yeah, no kidding. All right, let's move on to uh, some of the other big matchups of the day, and let's move to a conference that I've been pretty high on as far back as week one when everybody was talking about how down and out they were. I said the Pac-12 is a winner. I think they're even more of a winner now because they picked up two top fifteen wins yesterday. Oregon beats BYU 41-20. Washington beats Michigan State 39-28. BYU number 12 in the country. Michigan State number 11 in the country. The two Pac-12 teams were favored, both three and a half point favorites at home. It just kind of, both of those kind of smelled like rats. Smelled like, okay, you got top 15 team going on the road. Everybody and their brother in the public is going to be on those teams as as underdogs to win. I hopped on Washington, didn't hop on Oregon, should have, but I was super impressed with both of those Pac-12 teams. I thought those really nice performances, Bo Nix bouncing back after Georgia did to him what they do to everybody, which is what I was saying after week one. So uh, I think these are both, let me put it this way to you. I think Washington and Oregon are teams that are certainly not in that top tier. They're not college ball playoff contender tier, but I think they can be competitive with the top of anybody at any league. If you put them in the Big 12, they're right there in that mix with Oklahoma State, Baylor, whoever else you want to put right under Oklahoma to compete to get into the Big 12 championship game. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. I think um, uh, kudos to you because, I I mean, I should have known, and to a certain extent I did know. I I did come on here and say I wish I could give Oregon back after the Georgia game, and, um, you know, BYU isn't, Georgia. Uh, they also aren't Eastern Washington. And so I was excited to see Oregon. I mean, their first, uh, I think their first six drives, touchdown, field goal, touchdown, 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 touchdown. Um, uh, 
pretty impressive. I, I mean, BYU's no slouch. They were uh, in the top 15, coming off a huge win. Um, Bonex, yeah, I, I loved how he bounced back and kind of it was like a very Bonex game, like three rushing touchdowns. It's just like, hey, we got it within the five yard line. Like, Bo's just going to go ram it. It's like very Sam Ellinger esque. Like, you're just going to go find a way to score in the end zone. And uh, he did that. He did what he needed to do to win. And so I, I was impressed with them too. Um, I think, and I know we're going to talk kind of macro Pac-12 in a sec, so I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I'm having trouble shaking it, the Georgia game. I I think, like, uh, nobody – I mean, I I certainly didn't pick Oregon in the wins pool thinking that they were going to go to the college football playoff. Like, that's not why I made that pick, and I'm not surprised that they're not in the same universe as Georgia. But just the way that they got walloped, like, I do – I do worry that maybe there is a team in the Pac-12 that is closer to that realm. Not there, but that Oregon might be a, a, a tier two Pac-12 team right now. But not not the point of this conversation. While we're talking about yesterday's games, um, a, a big win. A big win. A big bounce back. Um, and and good for them for, for locking down home turf. What about UW coming out with that win, Brian? I mean, they are a team that was so down and out last year. They lose to an FCS team. They had Jimmy Lake is fired. It seemed like he was going to be a guy taking over from Chris Peterson, who they were going to have some continuity and kind of continue things on, and it just didn't work out. And then they bring in Kalen DeBoer, and it seems like it's just total night and day uh, from this year to last year. And they really exposed Michigan state's defense. I mean, they, they dominated that game. They Washington kind of has always had a good defense for the last several years, but it was their offense where they've had so many question marks and there was no question marks yesterday. Michael Penix looks fantastic. Almost 300. Oh, sorry. Almost 400 yards and four touchdowns with no picks. So, you know, they, they are kind of doing what they wanted, uh, moving the ball at will. And it, it's that reunion. Kalen DeBoer was the offensive coordinator in Indiana when Michael Penix had his best season. And I think that reunion is, is really working wonders. I'm really impressed with them. So I guess that brings me to the, the larger question of how do you rank the top four or so teams in the Pac-12 right now? What's your Pac-12 power rankings? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll. Hmm, I need a minute. I will say, here's what I'll I'll say about UW. Um, you just kind of feel like Michigan State always wants to establish the run. They ran the ball 29 times for 42 yards, 1.4 yards per carry. So you're right on the offense. Everything you said is accurate, but just like felt like they also like imposed their will. Wouldn't let Michigan State do uh, kind of anything that they seemingly would have wanted to do. Um, I. <laughs> I feel like you're going to hate on this. Um, I think USC has earned number one right now. Um, I think that they, I'm not saying they can't come back down to earth, but they have been wildly impressive. I think objectively through three games, they're scoring a ton of points. They're doing a better job stopping people than I thought they would. Um, So I'll have USC at one. Um, I'll go, uh, Utah, Oregon, Washington, USC, Utah, Oregon, Washington. Yeah. Okay. 
do we have anybody in the same spot? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, we do. So it's not, I'm not that different. I think I actually have it exactly the same, except I still have Utah at number sure. one. I, I think that's I have Utah at number one. I have USC at two. And the reason I have Utah still at number one is because I'm not down on them following that Florida game. I think they, they went into a really tough environment, tougher than anything USC has faced so far, although was very impressed with how they handled Fresno State last night. But they, they've they bounced back from that, and they've handled their business. Utah has handled their business. I think they beat Southern Utah by an ungodly margin. <laughs> but then they beat San Diego State, which San Diego State traditionally is a, a tough out out of the Mountain West and a team that doesn't, you know, doesn't really get blown out. And I don't, I mean, they, they handled them fairly easily. I didn't watch a ton of that, but they, they handled them fairly easily. I still like everything that Utah has to offer. And my opinion of USC has skyrocketed through three games. They've, they've done everything that anybody has asked of them, but that's how highly I still think of Utah. I think of Utah as still a team that can run the table and sneak into the college ball playoff. And I think the only thing that's changed for me is I now also think of USC in that same light. I was, wasn't sold on them, but they, their defense looked better than I thought. I mean, I wanted, I wanted to bet over, or I, Bet over 70 and a half in the Fresno State USC game and USC held up their end of the bargain on the offensive side and and Fresno did not. And that was big credit to USC's defense because I thought there's no way in hell that they are going to be able to stop Jake Hayner and that offense. And they did. So I, I just Utah losing that game in the swamp has done nothing to make me think they're not every bit the team they they thought they were. I now just put those two teams, I think, on a very clear tier above the rest of the league. And then I would, I don't need to rehash Oregon versus Washington, but I like those two teams along with, I like them better than UCLA for sure. UCLA did not look great against South Alabama yesterday. And, uh, but I do like Oregon state. I like Oregon state and Washington state though, too. So like why any thought to Washington state, because they've went on the road and beat Wisconsin. It was impressive. It definitely was impressive. I think that they're right there towards, I mean, Cam Ward has looked good, right? I mean, that's, that's what he does. But But I think with them, the thing is like, when they beat Wisconsin, it wasn't because of Cam Ward. Yeah. It true. was a team effort. Like, it's not like he's coming in and carrying them. And I think that actually makes it more impressive to me is that they, they actually have something there. that's not totally dependent on, on one transfer from incarnate word. Yeah. I think you're onto something. And the beauty of it is we find out soon, right? So they, they have, they have Oregon this weekend, right? Like that's going to be fun. Uh, that, they will be right there on the radar and we might even need to knock Oregon down another tier if they pull that one off, but it's certainly uh, not out of the realm of possibility whatsoever. Um, but, you know, I think you're right about USC and Utah and, and October 15th, as far as PAC 12 is concerned is very much circled on the calendar. Uh, I think like something, I mean, this is a bit of an aside, but I think something that we as a college football universe do is we see that Utah lost to unranked Florida and we forget about them for a while. And then we act surprised when they're in the conversation eight weeks later. And like, you're totally right. There's no reason on their schedule that they can't just win out. Like if like they were a very, very 
trendy playoff pick before the year. Like, and you said it on this show, nothing changed afterwards. All they've done is outscore their opponents 108 to 14 in the two games since Florida. So onward and upward. Right. And, and that's what they've done. So I, I totally, I totally get them still being one in the power rankings. I think I just am with you with, I, I didn't have it. USC looking as good as I think they sort of had in in the first three weeks. And maybe we should have, I guess like anybody who doesn't spend hours and hours and hours pouring over this stuff would be just be like, yeah, they have a great quarterback, a great coach, no. great skill players. They're going to be awesome. And maybe- I've just been burned on Texas's back before I've been burned on these like hot commodities. And like, that's kind of what it felt like, to be honest with you. It's like nobody doubted that they were going to get, back like I think it was a great hire to bring Lincoln Riley in and they're gonna be good but like we haven't really seen a team this made up of transfers before like competing at such a high I mean Jordan Addison's still one of the best receivers in the country playing with a quarterback who he's never played with before who was one of the best quarterbacks in the country like yeah maybe maybe at some point we should have just been like yeah there haven't been this many transfers but you know really really good football players on their team. Like, and we're three games in, so maybe this is a form of overreaction, but yeah, I'm a little upset with myself that I, I felt like Oregon was a bit of a safer pick and they've been anything, but I think one of the problems that Oregon and Washington are both going to have is that the North or what was formerly the North and the schedule they're still playing to is just better than the South side of, of the Pac-12 and even though UCLA and or I'm sorry USC and and Utah are both on that south side if you look at USC's schedule it's not super daunting so I, I think Washington and Oregon have a little bit tougher schedules and that's going to be to their disadvantage but I will say USC like USC goes to Corvallis to play Oregon State this weekend Oregon State has a good 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 offense a fun offense and I think we'll learn some things about USC like it's I still don't put it beyond the pale that USC could go on the road to one of these Pac-12 teams with good offenses and and drop a weird one so you know we'll see but I right now this is the league that I'm super fascinated by and it's a league where in the past I feel like you're not like oh Oregon's playing Washington State this weekend. That's must-watch. But now it feels like those are two very interesting teams, and it's not that different to me, and I'll probably get roasted for this. But, like, I was excited to watch LSU-Mississippi State yesterday, and I kind of feel that way a lot about a lot of these Pac-12 matchups now. Like, I want to watch USC and Oregon State. I want to watch Oregon and Washington State. And I feel like there's going to be a ton of these throughout the year where, like, I'm excited to sit down and watch. And that just hasn't been the case in the past. They just, the middle of the conference hasn't been, like, on an upward trajectory for so long, right? And that's what sparks this. It's like, when's the last time we would say, wait a minute, like, Oregon State, like, let's let's check them out. Like, Washington State, uh, I'll watch it. You know, it's like, it feels like, I mean, those are two of the programs, but uh, there's a bunch of them who feel a bit like they're trending more upward. And, you know, Arizona will be there soon and all that stuff, right? And so it's like, I'm with you. It's a fun conference right now. Let's talk about a team who is certainly not on the upward trajectory, and that's the Auburn Tigers, Brian. 
losing at home to Penn State, 41 to 12. Just a gross game for Auburn. Penn State moved to 3-0 on the year. They've now gone on the road twice in three weeks, and they have two big road wins. I know you were invested in the Tigers yesterday. Uh, I was invested via a parlay that already lost, so not nearly as invested as you were, but uh, not, not a pretty one for Auburn. How are you feeling coming off that? Yeah, our listeners let me down because nobody sent me a message that said Adrian Peterson plays running back for Penn State right now because this guy, Nick Singleton, is really, really good. He's he's really good, and it pains me to say it. I mean, he's at like 11 yards a carry so far this season. He's a five-star freshman who just – he looks good. And, and I, the Adrian Peterson is a joke, but he's running through people and running around people too, and it it is – it's scary to watch this guy play running back. So um, yeah, it's, it's, I was really disappointed with the kind of fight or lack thereof that, that Auburn showed in that game. It was close for a minute. Um, uh, Yeah. It just wasn't um, they, you kind of go into that just being like, okay, it's an sec team at home. Uh, They're going to kind of show them how the big boys roll and it, and it, it wasn't that at all. So to a certain extent, um, Penn State deserves credit, but just Auburn, that's, I mean, Harson's Harson's going to go after this year, right? Like that's, it's, there's no doubt. Like he, like, I mean, I know they were 2-0, but San Jose State, they won by eight. I mean, I, I can't imagine them doing any sort of anything in the SEC and they already tried to get rid of him once. It's uh it's not looking bright. Yeah. Trajectory downward for Auburn for right now. I was kind of somewhat surprised that we weren't coming on tonight talking about Brian Harson. Yeah, me too. At Auburn, honestly, now it was just a terrible loss. It was a terrible loss for them. And it's not because it's not a terrible loss because Penn State is a bad team or anything. It's it's the way that they lost. And you and you said it it, it was close for a while. I mean, this was a game that was what was it? 14-6 at halftime. It's a yeah. one possession game. Yep. And getting the ball, by the way. So I had talked myself into hitting this bet and they went three and out. That was actually when I wrote it off was that first possession of the second half. And I think I texted you guys. It was three plays for minus nine yards out of the locker room down by eight. We're, we're in it. We're not playing great, but look, we're getting the ball. And it was uh, tank Bigsby minus two incomplete pass. TJ Finley sacked punt. And Penn State scored on the ensuing play uh, drive, and and that was it. Uh, so yeah, uh, just it was like a really disheartening second half because I would actually argue that like Penn State should have been up by more at halftime. And so you're you're you have it close, you're getting the ball, and and that's what you come out with. It's it's not good. The vibes just seem really bad, and that was kind of why everybody had talked about. Penn State is going to go in there and win this game. Nobody's rallying around Harson. And my thing had been like, it's still an SEC team on the road, still a uber talented SEC team, especially on the defense. But you know that emotion matters, and and the vibes just seem so bad. Brian Harson gave a interview going into halftime, and I remember just watching that interview, feeling like that this game's over. There's no way they're going to win. Like he didn't seem like he felt it was possible for them to come back and win. So I, I don't know. Yeah, it's just a bad, it's a tough situation there. And I'm sure it's going to, uh, there's going to be changes sooner rather than later. I'll, I mean, 
if they make it to the end of the year, I think it would be an upset at this point. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, he probably... They they tried to oust him. Like, how bad does he want to be there, right? Like, the, there's got to be some element of just checked outness a little bit. And they kept showing him. It got dark by the end of the game. He still had his sunglasses on. Like, I was like, this guy is this guy's as good as done. Now, I do want to talk about Penn State for a second, though, Brian, because it is a big win for them going on the road, putting up 41 at Auburn. Like I said, two road wins in three weeks. The hardest thing to do in college football is go on the road and win. And they've done it once in conference and once against an SEC team on the road. So I begrudgingly at this point think that we need to start talking about or I am going to start talking about Penn State in that same breath as Ohio State and Michigan. I think they are. I think there's it's a three team race in the Big Ten. I mean, it's Ohio State's certainly still that top tier to me, but I think Penn State and Michigan are together with Minnesota maybe a bit behind them. Penn State is now in the top 10. They're number nine in SP+. So three, those three Big Ten teams are all in the top 10 of SP+. Impressive effort, and I mean, I do got to say, we've both been critical of Sean Clifford, but there is something he brings to the table from a running perspective and being able to find ways to get things done that you, you have to give him credit for doing so. And you combine that running game that they have that they established yesterday with his running game and his ability to get out of the pocket and make plays and that defense. And I think there is a recipe there for something interesting. So at this point, I think you, I just have to give Penn State credit for what they've done. They've gone on the road. They've won games. And uh, I think it would be foolish to try to to say that they are they're not a good football team. I think you're right. I think you're right. They, they, their secondary is really, really, really impressive. Um, led by Joey Porter Jr. They, they, what they've done on offense, I think you hit on it. They're at home for Central Michigan and Northwestern the next two weeks. And so think you're going to be talking about a top 10 matchup when they go to Ann Arbor in mid-October. Um, so we'll, we're going to find out, right? I mean, I, I'm with you though. They, they look good. They've got, they've got some guys. I, I really am trying to be um, objective in this because I, I've never really felt like I've seen from Sean Clifford what I want to see from like a playoff quarterback. And I think I still have, you know, if you're asking him to go win you a game, like with his arm, I don't, I don't trust it. But listen, you, I think you're right. I think begrudgingly, they're they're right there, um, and we'll see. I mean, it's the beauty of it, right? They've got they've got Michigan, Minnesota, Ohio State, three in a row. After the two games I just mentioned, it's not going to get any easier. But they look like they're going to be in the thick of it, and uh, yeah. It's, I mean, two, two power five road wins in non-quan is, is not easy. So they deserve it. That's the season right there for them, Brian, those three games. I think those are the four best teams in the big 10 right now. And that's a, that's a hell of a stretch. They have two, two of the three at home. They always play Ohio state tough at home, but they often lose. It is usually a tough game. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but my, I feel like they struggle at Michigan. I feel like when those two teams play, it's a blowout one way or another a lot. They always play Ohio State close, but whenever they play Michigan, somebody is blowing somebody else out. And I know Penn State's blown them out a few times, but Michigan's also blown Penn State out a few times. So uh, yeah, that, that'll be a really interesting stretch. 
you're I think you're right about you know maybe they need the right game flow. I mean, they're not their offense is nowhere near as bad as Iowa's was last year, but like Iowa needed the right game state to do what they do where they had to get up early and let their defense go to work. And if they got down, it it was tough. And I would be interested to see, like I am interested to see them play a game where they have to score 40 points against an Ohio state type team. Uh, I think they probably match up pretty well with Minnesota where it's not going to, it's not going to be a game like that where they can probably keep it a little lower scoring, but that, that Ohio state one, I am interested to see like what, what happens when you have to go out and score 40 points? Cause their defense is good enough where they don't have to right now, but at some point they are. Yep. Yep. And, and we'll see. And, and like, it's, that's the name of the game, right there. They've passed all their tests and checked all their boxes so far. And that's something that I feel like is fair to want to see from them before we're ready to talk about them in that picture. But so far, so good. All right. Any other games you want to you want to touch on before we move on to our winners and losers? Yeah, I mean, I think we got to quickly talk about Texas A&M and Miami. I think that was one that was like sort of I don't want to say it was what I expected, but like you remember it felt like it was going to be kind of like a slugfest type game. Like you remember the old like Alabama LSU games when we were in school where like touchdowns just didn't happen that often. Like it's not the same talent level, but it's like, it felt like that a bit. So um, I really thought the turning point in that game was the Tyreek Stevenson fumble on the punt early on. Like it's, it's tough for a, a first quarter play to be so huge, but like it was field goal, field goal tied at three Miami just got a stop to get the ball back fumble the punt in their own territory deep Texas A&M punches it in for a touchdown. Miami never scored a touchdown in the game. So obviously a ton of game left, but, but that's certainly not it. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's an impressive win for Texas A&M just by winning the game. I would say the offense still didn't look super sharp. It was more competent with Max Johnson in there. Um, He seems a little bit more in control. He's played a lot of football and that's something that Haynes King can't say. Um, So I think we'll continue to see Max Johnson. Um, Yeah. I mean, I I don't think any sort of like macro playoff season conference takeaways from this game, but two good teams with high hopes that kind of slugged it out. It was an interesting one. I just have two thoughts on this, Brian. First off, the nickname Big Bad Brad for Brad Johnson. I have no recollection of it, and I've heard it so many times this week when talking about Max Johnson. Brad Johnson doesn't quite strike me as the type of guy who had the nickname Big Bad Brad, but I heard it multiple times, and I have no recollection of it. And Brad Johnson as a quarterback was right in my, like, I knew everything there is to know about the yeah. NFL wheelhouse. Like, am I, do, do you remember this? So I didn't, not only did I not know it, I hadn't even heard it this week. And I saw you post it on Twitter and I was like, what the heck are you talking about? And like you said, like we rooted for the team Brad Johnson spent much of his professional career on. I think if anybody would know that that was his nickname, it would be me. And you're right. He's like, you know, he's got like his hair well done. I feel like he's that kind of guy. He's not big, bad Brad, you know? So no, I have no recollection of this. Yeah, well, apparently it's a thing. Uh, okay, I'm <laughs> glad I, I've been. I really wanted to get that off my chest. That was my most important thought on that game. Perfect. My other thought on that game is I am desperately looking for a way to get off the Clemson wins the ACC bandwagon. Since I already said I don't believe in NC State a whole lot uh, before the season started, and what this game can confirm to me is that Miami is not the answer to 
whose bandwagon can I jump on if I'm looking to get off Clemson? I, I just, man, I, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, the only reason I watched this game was more out of a, a sense of, like, professional obligation than it really was something that I was super interested in. I just didn't find it to be a fun game. I didn't, it's, it's not the kind of, I'm down with defensive football when I feel like it's because these defenses are really good and are making plays happen. The, this felt like two good defenses, but more so than that, two bad offenses. And Miami's just not it for me in the ACC. I'm really kind of down on the ACC as a whole right now, so maybe it is NC State. I mean, they got the win at home against Texas Tech. They'll have their chance against Clemson. I, I, I'm just... Mm, I wasn't impressed with Miami, Tyler Van Dyke, you know, it is year one under a new system, but for all the hype that he got coming in, I mean, he just, he did not show, he didn't look significantly better to me last night than Max Johnson did. I think that's fair. I think their offense left a lot to be desired for sure. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I just didn't come away feeling good. That's not a game. I, I said, I left that. Florida Utah game in week one I said I feel really good about both these teams I think there's something there for each of them again A&M just seems stagnant they both seem stagnant and like teams that I'm not really looking forward to watching the rest of the season I think that's fair I think that's fair let's uh let's take this negativity and transition it into our next segment our winners and losers I feel like we've been starting with winners a bit too frequently so we're gonna do losers I'll go first so I want to start by saying, whilst I am a former professional journalist, I do not claim to be a journalist on this. So I, I am going off something I read on Twitter. I don't have sources. I don't. I cannot confirm this, but there's video of it out there. My loser of this week is Shane Beamer. Shane Beamer, head coach, South Carolina. Now, you may be thinking, yeah, great pick. You know, they got their ass kicked. That's why. That's why you're picking him as a loser. No, that's not it. There was a segment, apparently, and this is where we're getting into speculation, but Twitter search it. It seems like South Carolina Athletics Department was honoring 50 years of Title IX and bringing a bunch of athletes to celebrate Title IX onto the field for recognition. Now, this to me is a halftime show, bring everybody out, take your time type of ordeal. Well, they did it during a commercial break. So very, very minimal time. So I, I think from the beginning, a bit of a cluster F, if you will. Well, what the video shows, and I know he's in the heat of the moment, so I do think he deserves a little bit of the doubt, but not the way to handle it. They're shuffling off the field, and the game was essentially delayed for a few seconds because they were getting people off the field. And the video's like, he's up in arms, like, get off the field. What are you doing? And it's like, Okay, like this is their moment a bit. So I saw that and was just like, you know, I think this is the second time I've kind of smack talked Shane Beamer on this podcast because of the Soldier Boy video too. I think like he's just simply not doing it for me. I think he's a little slimy car salesman for me and and uh, it, it continued this weekend. So he's my loser. Well, did you see his post-gamer? No, and, I didn't. A uh, uh, reporter asked him if there was any quit in the locker room. Oh, yeah. And he said, what kind of question is that? He said, hell no. And he said, come on, Phil. Yeah. I was like, all right. All right, guy. You know, like make it a more competitive game. Yeah, I, I did see that. So I feel like he yeah, was loser. so close to dropping. Uh, you're better than that. I feel, <laughs> I feel like that was the next line. Like, I, 
I was expecting it to come. Just the, the whole <laughs> response is like a, it was just begging for a come on, you're better than that. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's next time they get their ass kicked uh, when he gets asked <laughs> again about the quit. Who's your uh, who's your loser? My loser is a little more simple. It's just Mississippi State, man. Mississippi State went on the road to LSU. Mississippi State has a lot of expectations this year. We've heard, I've said it, but a lot of people have said, Will Rogers, good quarterback, one of the best quarterbacks in the SEC. They, Mike Leach teams thrive when they have a quarterback who's been in the system for three years, which Rogers has. Their defense is really good, maybe the best Mike Leach has ever had. And I thought they would go into LSU and play a low-scoring, competitive SEC game, but eventually take care of business because the margins between going nine and three in the SEC West and six and six are razor, razor, razor thin. And those are the games that you have to win if you want to go nine and three in the conference. This is part of the whole reason I bet against Texas AM to to or under eight and a half wins because those margins are so thin. And they were in the kind of game I described. They were up 16-10 in the second and a half. They fumbled a punt in the shadow of their own goal line. LSU scored to go up 17-16. And then from there, they absolutely fell apart. LSU scored touchdowns on their next two drives. Mississippi State went punt, punt, interception for a total of 11 plays on three drives to end the game. That's a Mike Leach offense that had 11 plays on three on three drives in the second half of a conference game. It, it's just a bad look. It's a really bad look. I, I almost had the, the same feeling I had watching Harson, watching Brian Kelly on the sideline in the first half of that game. Mississippi State was up in this game two minutes to go in the first half. They were up 13-0. LSU couldn't score. They had it completely in control. LSU scores. They have a seven-play, 75-yard touchdown drive right before the half to cut it to 13-7. Completely gave them new life. And then everything I described in the second half happened. Just a really bad look. And what you can't have happen, if you if you do want to differentiate yourself in the SEC West, if you want to be that tier below Bama, if you want to go 9-3, and three, you got to win those games. And now... They're looking like maybe they're a six and six team. You know, it's it's always hard to differ. I mean, you look at that division, man. They're clearly not better than LSU. I don't know if they're better than Ole Miss. I don't know if they're better than Arkansas. I don't know if they're better than A and M. I mean, it's somebody's got to finish last in the division. I didn't expect it to be them. I, I still don't, but now it's certainly on the table, and and that's what's tough about playing in the West. It's fair. All right, let's get positive. Uh, week two, uh, week three winner for me. Um, Boone, North Carolina is my winner. They host a college game day, uh, which is for first time, obviously awesome. Um, App wins on a, a, as improbable a Hail Mary conversion as you'll see because it was one of those where the ball was deflected back a few yards, which is why my last point on my winner is a shout out to Caden Robinson, the wide receiver. That is not who caught the Hail Mary and ran it in for a touchdown. His name won't be in the stories, but if you watch the Hail Mary, he actually threw a block after the Hail Mary was caught that allowed his teammate to run into the end zone uninterrupted. Those are some of the most hectic moments you'll ever see when a, a Hail Mary type pass is caught at like the five yard line. And obviously the defense has all their players right there. 
the heads up play by the receiver who caught the ball to go around the outside and then Caden Robinson blocking so that it was untouched into the end zone uh, as crazy a finish as you'll see all season um, and a fitting way to end what was a big day in Boone. So um, shout out Luke Combs, Boone, North Carolina, my winner. All right. I got a winner for you. All right, let's do it. And we're going to head to the birthplace of college football for this, Brian okay. Rutgers, Rutgers, <laughs> Rutgers university. They are one of three Northeastern powers that are now three and oh. So the Northeast as a region, we don't get talked about a whole lot in the world of college football. Everybody knows that it just means more in the sec, you know, the big 10 and, and what they do. It speaks for themselves out in the Midwest, but the Northeast has come to play this season. Birthplace of college football, Rutgers, 3-0. and 3-0 in New Jersey. Syracuse, 3-0, and winning one of the most wacky games I've ever seen against Purdue. And then our University of Maryland Terrapins, 3-0. and The Northeast is back, Brian. The Northeast is here to show that there are plenty of regions in this country outside of the South that care about college football or at least can play college football. I'm not the care might be a bit far all the crowd at the Maryland game last night, but look, man, three, and zero is three, and zero, and I think any Syracuse, Maryland or Rutgers fan would tell you as much. doesn't matter who it's against. If those three teams are three, and zero, people are going to be happy. Fans of those teams are going to be happy. So, Hey, I, I say celebrate guys celebrate in the Northeast. I love it. I love it. Should we Maryland minute? Perfect segue. Let's go. Let's get right to the Terps winning a big game at home against SMU 34-27, a game that Brian and I were both supposed to be at. Unfortunately, I got sick, couldn't go, super disappointing, but nevertheless, Terps prevailed with a big win. We might have to go for more than a minute because this was a big win for the Terps, and honestly, I thought one of the more fun games of the night. Um Overall encouraged coming away from that one. Like I said, 3-0 and is 3-0. and I think the offense looked unbelievable. Roman Hemby, uh, redshirt freshman running back, just did it all. He, uh, you know, he caught the ball. He, he rushed. He was unreal. And uh, Maryland's, I mean, this is, you know, I think it's kind of what we expected. Maryland has a good offense. They have not such a good defense, but they made, a few big plays when it mattered most, and um, they came they came up with a win. Like we talk about on the show all the time, you got to make plays, and they they took advantage of some unforced errors. Uh, SMU receiver slipped on on one of Tanner Mordecai's picks, but Maryland took advantage. So uh, look, three and zero is three and zero overall. Pretty happy with that one. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I, I like I. You have to keep perspective, and I try to do that. And three and zero after non-con, that's great. Um, Fifteen penalties for one hundred and forty-one yards. It was it was hard. It was hard to watch. It was it was um, it became like expected, which is like the worst place to be, right? Where it's like something good happens, and you're just like waiting for the yellow across the bottom of your screen. So I will say that that was tough, and that has unfortunately happened quite a bit over the past few years. Um, what I will say and why I agree with you that I came away generally encouraged is like that usually means you gave the game away. <laughs> so I think it is in a weird kind of sick and twisted way. I'm impressed that they did what they needed to do 
in a game that they tried to go back to their old game giving away ways. Right. And so outscoring SMU by 14, 14, in the fourth quarter to seal the win. Like you said, they made plays when they needed to make them. Um, three and O's three and O. And, and if you told me that I could have that before the year and I, I can't look at the scores or the box scores or anything, I would take it a hundred times out of a hundred and, and I'll take this 15 penalty, 141 yard, disgusting muck fest of a win. And so that's, that's kind of what it felt like. And, um, you know, I, I'm here we are, right? It's, it's tale as old as time. I'm going to talk myself into the fact that they're going to beat Michigan and they're going to lose by 40 and we'll go from there. But for now it's a, it's a good day to be a Terp fan. Well, they're not going to beat Michigan. So just don't, don't worry about that. Don't talk yourself can't, into it. Can't help that, it. I mean, it's like, they are so they opened at, help it. opened at 16 and a half. Michigan opened as a 16 and a half point favorite. It's already up. It's it's 17 now. But if I was going to give out one bet next week and I, I won't ever do it like I, I, I have never bet against Maryland. I won't. It's not fun. Like I'm not trying to make my living gambling. I, I want to root for the team that I root for. But if anybody out there who's not a Maryland fan, if you want to make some money, bet on Michigan, Michigan minus anything under three touchdowns, it's a great bet. Since Harbaugh has got to Michigan, Michigan has beat Maryland. They play, they played every year. Their average margin of victory is 34 points, and Maryland has scored just under 10 points per game in those six meetings. Scored 59 points in six meetings. It's never good when these teams get together. I, I can't think of a worse matchup from, like, if you're a team that takes penalties, makes a lot of mistakes... I feel like Michigan's the team that is going to absolutely pounce on that. So I have absolutely no hope for next week. It's not like I'm just writing it off as a, as a guaranteed loss, but I do think there's things to be excited about in general. Like I mentioned Roman Hemby and I want to share his, his actual stats because they're worth sharing. He had 151 yards on the ground and a touchdown 9.4 yards per carry. And he added 62 receiving yards to that. That is an unreal day over 200 yards from scrimmage. That's really, I mean, that's, that's such a, stud man like we don't have these guys all the time at maryland so when you get them you, you got to enjoy them and then talia tungavailoa he is just so competent like I, I that's the best way i think i can describe him for a program that is used to not having very good quarterback play he, he is just an overwhelmingly competent quarterback 17 of 23 yesterday 214 yards, so not the biggest yardage numbers, but two touchdowns, and most importantly, no picks. He's been known to make some big mistakes at times when he's trying to force things and really get that offense moving. And and there was time, there was a time in that game yesterday where it seemed like things were slipping away a little bit in the first half, and Maryland was down, and that would have been the time to force things, and and he never did it. So like. To have a, a quarterback who is so competent like him and and some explosive pieces, whether it be that receiving core, which has been awesome, or the emergence of Roman Hemby, I think there's still a lot of fun to be had with this team this season. They have to figure out a way to take care of those little things, the penalties, because you stated the, the penalty, the number of penalties and the yardage, but even more than that, it took a touchdown off the board and they had a third down stop that became a first down because of those pen because two of those penalties so like those are things that will lose you games especially in a conference like the big 10 where 
mar- again, margins are so thin. And, uh, you know, Maryland has an opportunity. I think for Maryland, it would be such an unbelievable accomplishment if they could somehow go finish with a winning record in conference if they could finish with a five and four record in conference so go five and four the rest of the way that would be an unbelievable accomplishment for them and it's something that's there and it's something that they can do but you're 100 right they're not gonna do it committing 15 penalties a game no i want to ask you a question and we, we are over a minute but uh we can be quick on this you and I spoke, uh, it's not exactly this time last year, but a few weeks from now last year, before the Iowa game. And it was about keeping it close. And it was just about, hey, we, we might not win. Maryland might not win. But you got to keep it close. You got you to put four quarters of football together. They got blasted off the, off the field. And then they got blasted, as expected, at Ohio State the following week. And while the season ended on a high, for a month and a half after that game, it wasn't. So you said there's no hope. There's no hope at, in Ann Arbor, and that's fine. And, uh, and I will convince myself that there is, but my right mind, my rational mind is agreeing with you. So, like, is there something that you they can do on Saturday that will make you feel good? I mean, that is a reasonable expectation that you'd like to see, right? You're not expecting them to win, but like what could they do? That's like, cause there could be, if, I mean, listen, if it's 73 to nothing, I'm all of a sudden going to be like, they're going to lose every game. Right. And so what, what, what are you looking for in a game where you're not expecting them to win, but maybe they could do something that would show that they could go five and four the rest of the way. Okay. That's a g- really good question. And I would start like I'll start with something very simple. They've one time since Harbaugh has been at Michigan scored 21 points and it was in a 42 21 loss. So go out, score three touchdowns. Like let's start there. I I want to see them. If this all, if that this team is going to go five and four can go five and four in conference and win eight games total this year. That means the offense is going to have to be an elite offense. So what better way to show you're an elite offense than go out and score a couple touchdowns against, uh, Elite D. I think I don't hesitate to call Michigan elite sure. defense there. Elite defense. Um, so yeah, go score three touchdowns. I want to see that there's some sort of kind of, I guess, coherent strategy for the game where it's like, we think we can win this game by doing this. And even if they don't execute it perfectly, like I want to have an idea. And, you know, I obviously Mike's Mike Loxley and the coaching staff knows more about x's and o's and i can ever hope to but i think like it is important to know to see like there is a strategy that you can tell like okay if they they their intention is to do this and i don't know 30 percent of the time 40 percent of the time it's working and it's having some results and you can see why they're doing it um so that 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 kind of goes together for me. Like, go out and score three touchdowns. Uh, you you might still give up forty, but I don't know. Like, I, my expectations with this defense are just low. Like, I don't think, I just don't think that. I think there's holes at every level of this defense, and I don't think it's realistic for to expect them to go out and, and shut down a team like Michigan. So I'm really looking for like, can the offense be as good against a team as good as Michigan as it is against an SMU level team. Because if they can be, 
then I think there's really something that that we can work with there. There's something that we can there. There's some proof to say this is actually a borderline elite level offense and it's a unit that can carry you even if the other side of the ball isn't up to par and that's what Maryland needs to be uh, an eight win team this year even a seven win team potentially so basically go out and score three to four touchdowns and you know don't be out of the game at halftime amen brother like that much to ask is it too much to ask I hope not. I sure hope not. Because you're <laughs> right. Like uh, this happens every time. I talk myself into them having a, a a chance, and they don't. They don't even make it to the locker room, like you said. So I hope so too. All right. Well, we got that coming up next week, Brian. But let's talk about some of the other things we're interested in for Week Four. Man, I can't believe Week Four already. Quarter of the way through the season, we're getting into conference play. Uh, pff, man, don't don't want to get too deep here, but. Just got to enjoy every minute of it, you know? It just goes fast. Yeah, that's right. No kidding. (laughs) But I got some things I'm excited for. So we talked about this one a little bit already, but Oregon going to Washington State. Again, just a solid mid-tier matchup in the Pac-12 where it's like these teams are potentially on the rise. I want to see what they have to offer. I think it could be a really fun game. And then I want to see Minnesota go to Michigan State. Michigan State... You know, went to went out to Washington, lost that game, but they were a team in the top fifteen. Minnesota has been kind of quietly taking care of business, and I think something we have to give some credit to PJ Fleck for is Minnesota does seem to handle business these days. Um, you know, I feel like some of the talk around him has quieted down a lot over the past few years, but I think they're they have a really good team, so I am. Curious to see what they look like when they go on the road in conference. Um, because right now, I think I have them as the number four team in the conference. So uh, if you want to be the number four team in the conference, go win a game like that. It's a game you have to win. So I- I'm pretty excited about that one. I already mentioned Michigan minus 17. I'm not betting it myself, but I would highly recommend it. And then I had a lot of success last week, Brian, betting on Georgia's defense against South Carolina's offense. I had the under first half under six and a half points for South Carolina. Big winner. Uh, full game under 14 and a half points. Big winner. You guys all know how I feel about Kent State's offense against the P5. Georgia plays Kent State next week. Don't know what that's going to be. Don't, don't don't have the team totals yet. But I mean, I, I can't give a pick. if I don't know what the what the numbers are. But if it's if we could get six and a half in the first half again, I mean, that's. That's an auto bet for me. Kent State's not scoring against Georgia. Georgia, I sent this in our group chat. Georgia threw a full game, full conference schedule last year through 12 games, allowed two, two first half touchdowns. It's crazy. And they didn't allow one conference play. Uh, They didn't allow one in their conference opener this year either. So uh, look, that, that team's ridiculous. That defense is ridiculous. You know how I feel about Kent state against the P five and Georgia's beyond P five. They are a tier unto themselves. So that's kind of what I'm looking at early, but I'll have much more for you midweek. I like it. I'm excited to watch. I mentioned TCU SMU. I think that'll be fun. Uh, Weirdly, like this is not an important game, but West Virginia, Virginia tech just feels like a weird slimy Thursday night, let's get weird sort of game. Um, picks wise, a lot of moonshine flying. Yeah, a lot of moonshine, <laughs> brother. 
yeah. Um, I think uh, I'm with you on Michigan. The other two, I haven't looked at enough lines yet, but two that jumped out at me, and I'm, I might live to regret this one. I don't know if I'll play it. I want to see it where it goes first. But Wake's getting seven and a half at home against Clemson. I know Clemson is playing a bit better, but Wake's Wake's good. Sam Hartman's back. It's at home. You're getting more than a touchdown. That that jumped off the the, the page at me. And then the other one, man, uh, I don't know which side I'm on, but I will be betting the Iowa Rutgers 34 and a half total point line. 34 and a half points. I mean, what? <laughs> like, you're kidding me. 21-17, let's just get there. I'm thinking over, but nobody has shown me that they could score. I got I got a few days to think about it, but that will be a game I'm playing. I assure you that. I, you almost have to go over just on principle. That's right. Yeah. How could you possibly bet under a 34 and a half? I, I don't. So we'll see. Let's let's light up the scoreboard uh, in Piscataway. Oh, man. I didn't even see that one yet. That's so crazy. Yeah. I, I don't know if I've seen it. I've never seen a total that no, low. No, no. No, and you won't, and you won't, but it fits this game. It does, weirdly. Now, if you bet it, are you going to watch it? Uh, Let's see, 7 o'clock. Okay, that's pretty prime time. Going up against Arkansas A&M. Uh, what's, the, what's the 7.30 ABC game? Wisconsin, Ohio State. Got K-State, Oklahoma. I mean, it might be like a, like a borrow my wife's cell phone and put it up against the TV type watching, but I would try to have it on. Fair enough. I I respect that, Brian. <laughs> I respect that. Oh man, I like almost. I don't have the words yeah. for it. Oof, yeah. oof. Yeah. That's that's oof. gross. I hope gross. you bet it. I, I you know what? I if you if you bet that, if you pick away on that, I'll uh I'll do like a small small bet. I'm not going a full <laughs> unit on that, but out, that. out of solidarity, I think we go in together as as our show our show bet. This is just something you we we have to do, and I'll I'll put it on some sort of screen as well. All right, let's go. <laughs> let's score some points. <laughs> we should hopefully have uh, other more fun games to talk about next week. Uh, you know, after a full full weekend of games, but hey. Maybe Rutgers, Iowa will be the game that that everybody is talking about, and you will have heard it here first. I uh, hope not, but maybe so. But that's our show, everybody. I will be back midweek to preview the week ahead, give you what I'm watching, give you what I'm betting. Hopefully, give you some more winners. Been pretty hot right now, and posting all my picks on Twitter at Gorgon Sports. So make sure you follow me there for the latest as I add my picks. Until next time, keep the grill hot and the cooler cold. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.